right, so this is Two Discount Grocers and a Microphone, uh, a new podcast uh, focused on grocery outlet and geared towards grocery outlet operators. Um, I'm Mike McGinty, owner of the McMinnville Grocery Outlet, and I'm here with Dylan Hartung, owner of the Klamath Falls Grocery Outlet. And uh, yeah, we're hoping uh, to just kind of talk about uh, random topics that are on our minds or on other operators' minds. Um, I think what you're going to be in for uh, is a generally positive com uh, podcast, uh, generally positive commentary. We don't want this just to be complaining all over the place. Um, but, you know, we'll be critical when, when it's appropriate and necessary. Uh, what do you think, Dylan? Uh, yeah, and we will probably uh, stay on track. Oh, uh, silence your phone, rookie. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Edits. Uh, just kidding. Uh, we'll stay more on track uh, because uh, that's what we do. We never spiral out of control by any means. So, uh, yeah, I think just uh, a fun way to talk about a lot of things that we talk about with us and other operators and the good ideas of how to kind of operate better and go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we thought uh, this first episode is just going to be us. And going forward, we're going to be chatting with uh, all kinds of different operators about what's going on in their lives and what's important to them and their thoughts and feelings about things. Um, but for now, um, we're just going to tell you a little bit about ourselves and kind of get into a couple of topics. So Dylan, you want to you want to take the lead there? Yeah. Uh, so I've been in the grocery business uh, for just over 20 years. And my wife, uh, who is not present for this podcast because she's smart, uh, she's also been involved for about 18, 19 years. Uh, we were Safeway for uh, about 16 years and then came over and bought our first grocery outlet uh, about six years ago. And we're at our second store right now at Klamath Falls. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, what we do and what we know and what we love and, uh, very enjoyable. So. Excellent. And so I am, uh, kind of the exact opposite with my background. Uh, I worked in restaurants for a long time, was a manager at a rock bottom restaurant in Portland. Um, my wife, Danny, who owns the store with me, obviously, uh, she was in restaurants as well and, uh, was a hair a hairdresser and owned her own salon in Portland before I dragged her away from that to uh, embark on this grocery outlet journey. But I started off as a internal candidate. My dad uh, uh, opened the Tannisborn grocery outlet in 2012. And uh, he and my uh, mom, Linda, just recently retired. So kudos to them. Um, but uh, we got our first store, St. John's, in 2015. We're there for about four years and then uh, got the opportunity to go to McMinnville, which uh, we love and have been happy with ever since. So uh, that's a little bit uh, about me. So Dylan, um, your first store was Airway Heights. Correct. And uh, that was a new store, right? Yeah, brand new store, ground up. Uh, quite the different experience. So open up uh, and was a sub 100,000 a week store. Um, yeah, learned uh, a lot of just kind of how to be more efficient, um, how to, you know, stretch the dollar, 
um, how to be profitable when every every penny matters. Um, definitely was a, uh, I don't want to say difficult time, uh, but a time that really tested us and uh, how to make it work. Um, and luckily, you know, uh, as most people know, Grocery Alley did, it was there uh, to kind of help assist, uh, you know, with the TCAP program, which, you know, we'll talk a little more about later, I'm sure. Um, but just really kind of help us uh, not fail. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it was a store that taught us uh, so much more than what a mid or high level store would have taught us. So, Right. And then so you were you were. Yeah, you were doing yeah sub 100. Uh, weren't you kind of where were you at when you started versus where you left? Uh, so we we opened up uh, doing basically 65 um, a week, and then uh, two years we're right at that probably at 96 range, um, fluctuated a little bit, um, and then yeah we left uh, just after two years and were awarded the Clam Fall store, so. Yeah, 65 to 95 and and uh it, it, it's a great it, it's a great town um just was really hard to get traction um in, in that store so definitely was a hard choice to leave uh as we've talked about many times just because that's it was, what i'm getting uh, at. <laughs> i know i know I see what you're doing. um you know you spend so much time uh not just building your team but building your your life in a new new place uh, it, it's hard to kind of just make that jump or that change. And it feels like you're abandoning your town and your people. Um, but also, you know, you have to do what's right for you. And, and sometimes opportunities open up that you have to take uh, for your future and your family and everything else. So, um, yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, because I remember talking about it when you were there and I, and uh, you guys uh you know, obviously it was a struggle, but you, uh, and by the way, Dylan and Tanya trained, uh, trained with Danny and I at our store and we're lucky enough to have an employee who was looking to move anyways, who is now an operator, uh, go with them. I think was a big help originally in airway, mm -hmm. but, um, you guys built a, a pretty good community down there and you really liked your employees. You really liked the church that you went to kind of, mm -hmm. you know, you had friends and all that kind of stuff. And so, even though um, the sales weren't necessarily there, I think you were both very happy and content. And when the prospect of K Falls came along, even though it was a uh, quite a bit higher volume with uh, lots with a uh, quite a bit of potential to go even farther, um, it wasn't an automatic decision to go for uh, it, right? To say the least, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of discussions and and talk about you know, what's the, the long-term picture? Because short-term, yeah, we were, even though we were low volume, it, you know, we were uh, financially fine and we loved, uh, you know, we just built a house and uh, again, we were a big part of our church and, and there's a lot of stuff we didn't want to leave. But, you know, when thinking about, you know, the 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 big picture, the five years, 10 years, 20 years, uh, you know, what is it that we needed to do to be where we wanted to be? And, and we just didn't see, it happening there, unfortunately. And, and so uh, it, it, it was uh, one of the harder decisions I think we, we made. Um, yeah, but I, I think it really, um, 
you know, that that's that whole, you know, you're in this together. I mean, so often, you know, you talk to operators and in, in backstage about half and half your, uh, your counterpart or uh, a person to talk about these decisions with because to do it by yourself uh, can be really tough. And so uh, I feel like we made the right choice. Um, you know, there have been struggles at, you know, any store, but I feel like it was one that uh, we have benefited from and, and it was a good choice. We would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but uh, yeah, difficult choices. And I think I heard that from so many people and AOTs about it's hard to say, hey, I want to do this journey. Um, but I'm going to have to go somewhere unknown or just get up and move my, my family and leave my friends and do this. But it's part of the bigger picture, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, obviously we both, so we, as we both said, we both have been at two separate stores now, um, and, uh, are both kind of, are both definitely happy with where we've landed, um. I want, you know, I wonder these days, uh, obviously people still move around all the time. And, mm -hmm. um, I feel like we were kind of fortunate in that when we came in, because there was a large, uh, amount of operators who had been around for, mm -hmm. you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, um, that were all on their way out. You know, they're ready to retire. They've been doing it long enough. And, uh, that opened up a lot of opportunity for people who were who were in in lower volume stores at the time. Um, I, I wonder uh, if we'll continue to see that, or you know, as Groschild expands so much, they're bringing in a, a lot of other people, a lot a lot of new operators to fill these new stores, and the balance of new store versus existing store uh, is changing all the time, right? There's way more new stores than there are existing stores coming up. And it'll be really interesting to see how that works out with people's uh, first store versus a second store. Um, it felt like for a long time, yeah, two years in a store. And if you're doing everything right, boom, you can you can move somewhere else. And now, you know, maybe it's closer to three years or four years. And, and I just a thought, I don't really have an answer for that. But it'll as things change and the company continues to change, that's something that I'm kind of keeping my eye on because it interests me, but how that movement I don't think, around the company works. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's as much movement as there was. I feel like before, you know, a high volume store would open up and a person doing, you know, maybe slightly less would take that store, then that store would get reposted. And for every high volume store that would get posted, there'd be three or four other changes where I don't feel like, that is as much. And I think that's also because operating a store now versus what it was four or five, six years ago has changed so dramatically. I think there's um, so many uncertainties with how we operate in our cities and everything else where there's a lot of people who last thing you want to do is move to a new store when there could be a new virus, a new something, a, a new competitor. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's so many, there's so many variables that I think, uh, it's more risky now than it was. Um, whereas before, I mean, I feel like I was seeing people changing all the time. And that might just be because we came in at a time when all these people were basically ready to retire anyway. Um, and the fact that new stores aren't, uh, they're quite a bit less. I mean, I think they're, uh, we can probably shouldn't say exact numbers by any means, but they're uh, a pretty penny cheaper uh, than they were two years ago. 
So oh, the cost of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that was a great move on grocery outlets part, by the way, I don't know how that hit them financially, but um, looking at and recognizing that the cost of a new store mm. was getting so much that they were probably uh, not able to attract a certain amount of people. And by reducing that cost, lowering the barrier, um, especially when they're trying to open as many stores as they are. I think that was a that was a good move on their part. And obviously, I like anything that makes my operation, you know, cheaper. <laughs> but, right. But I don't I don't feel like the cost was excessive by any means for what you get. Uh, but I feel like the things they took out, mainly the check stands, mm-hmm. made sense. You know, why would you own something that you can't take with you? That's just going to be a deep, you know, depreciated asset anyway. That makes sense. I mean, to bring it down to that level is is great, especially for new people. But I don't think that amount is enough to either detour new people from coming in. Uh, but it might uh, help with uh, people already in stores saying, you know, I'll take another chance at another new store. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, and maybe it wouldn't deter people because they don't fully know. They're not obviously when they're looking at grocery outlet, you don't know everything about it and it takes a while. But I do think that one, well, you would know better. Uh, you would know this as well. Running a low volume store or especially a TCAP store. Um, well, when you're TCAP, you don't even get the option of paying off your loan, right? It's interest only. They won't let you. Uh, right. And so when that bill, you know, I mean, cause they reduced the new store cost by, I think like $80,000 or something like that. And yeah, over the course of, over the course of being an owner operator, and especially if you grow the sales where you're at, or you end up somewhere new, yeah, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to pay that off, you know, certainly. But if you are in a TCAP store for two years or doing, you know, lower volume for two years, you're not really making a dent in that. And, you know, psychologically, that's, that can be a little bit tough, I think. And so reducing that price, even though you're still not able to pay it off when you're TCAP right away, uh, it just, it helps a lot. I think it, I think psychologically and dollars wise, I mean, it still helps your pocketbook one way or another, but overall, I think it was a great move. Right. So anyways, we hadn't planned on talking about that, but that's okay. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) <laughs> shocker so uh all right so yeah i think uh today uh our main thing that we wanted to talk about was um employee retention and kind of schedule structure uh how we you know what we do to incentivize employees to stick around um how we set up the store all that kind of stuff um i think for this podcast, we will be pulling heavily from the operator Facebook page for for ideas. And this is something that has come up numerous times on the Facebook page of people asking, hey, you know, uh, I'm doing this volume. Uh, anybody else who's doing this volume, what is your setup? How many managers do you have? What do department heads do? How do you retain people? Um, obviously, uh, turnover has been a, a big issue uh, over the last, well, three years now, two and a half, three years. And it's always been, a, you know, it's always been a thing. Um, so yeah, what are, your, what are your thoughts on just general employee retention? Yeah. So, uh, and we're only going to lightly skim, I think this, because there's so much we could talk about and, and we do talk about this. 
Um, I, I think I want to start with first the culture that we try to create in our store. Um, we come from a, a, a world that was very uh, dictator style, almost where everything had to be perfect. Otherwise it was a fail. And, and we saw the, the pain and agony it caused with employees and management and even ourselves with having this unrealistic, expectation of what is uh, needed. Um, and so when we uh, uh, basically bought our first store, and, and even now to this day, we try to be so human with everything um, and, and realistic and fair. Um, we try to create a culture where uh, people feel valued and respected and uh, and part of the team um, and with the understanding that uh Good, uh, good to great is our standard of perfect. Basically, you know, it doesn't need to be where if one thing is wrong and ninety nine things are are great that it's a fail. It needs to be that we kind of focus on just um, our people because uh, the times are changing majorly with um, how leadership needs to be done and how we need to treat our people. And, and there are so many options that a lot of our people have. Um, we have to do something that big box places can't. And so we do things uh, more on a personal level uh, and and not just, uh, you know, the occasional lunch or coffee or, or whatever, but it's trying to kind of just talk to our people as humans all the time, making sure that that they know we're here to support them, uh, both in work and outside of work. Uh, you know, everyone has our numbers, obviously, but they can also reach out if they're having uh, other issues. Um, and we can kind of accommodate to that and make adjustments with whether it be their schedule or just lend an ear or just know what's going on so we can expect um, certain things. Um, I think talking to our people has been so key to our retention. Now, I'm not going to say we have a perfect retention rate by any means, uh, but we do have a store that is probably 70% um, with a year plus experience in our store. Um, and I think that's just because we we try to make sure that not just uh, Tanya and myself, but that our whole management crew uh, really builds on our people. Um, we try to hire based on personality, not just skill set, because we have learned that skill set uh, means nothing when it comes to uh, what it's going to do for our actual team. You know, we might have a person who can throw freight, uh, you know, two times faster or do this or do that, whatever. But a, a toxic person amongst your crew can really ruin uh, what you're trying to create there. So I think our, our biggest thing is just uh, being human with our people. Um, and, you know, I trade your store and I feel like you are very, you guys are very similar in that same aspect. Uh, would you agree or disagree or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes to a fault. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little <laughs> too open with the employees and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's, that is definitely a big, a big piece of it. Um, for us, there's two things that kind of stick out in my mind um, with retention is, um, it's where you start from. Um, we have hired uh, quite a few people um, that are in recovery, kind of second chance hires, right? That have a hard time finding a job um, and we'll hire people fresh out of recovery. Um, uh, or, yeah, and, you know, we've definitely been burned, but I've been burned by all kinds of people. I mean, it, I, I would actually say no more than 
anybody else really. But the nice thing about that is that um, I think that they're, you know, they're a little bit more appreciative sometimes of, mm-hmm. of, you know, getting the job of uh, especially when you, when they get a job and then they are able to move up and move into different departments and learn different things and they're, they're, uh, they're valued, they're a valued part of your crew. And I think that generally uh, sticks with them maybe more so. And uh, you get, you get more loyalty out of that. And then also too, you're able to develop people over time. And uh, you know, money is important. Everybody needs those dollars, but uh, it's nice to be able to, when somebody doesn't know anything, you can start them uh, at a place that makes sense for you and your payroll, but they're getting dollars out of it, but they're also getting experience. They're also learning other things. They're also getting promotions and and they're moving up the ranks dollars wise, but they're getting more out of it than just a paycheck versus if you go out and say, I'm going to hire the best produce person I can possibly find. I mean, listen, there's a a proven track record is great. I'm not knocking that at all, Mm -hmm. but you're also going to, you're also going to pay a premium straight out the gate and, you know, maybe their personality doesn't quite jive with everybody. There's a lot of other things versus that go into it uh, other than I've worked at this, you know, I've done produce for 20 years or 15 years. I mean, it's a huge asset, but you're also going to really pay for that. And I want to make sure that I'm not coming across this saying, it's great. You hire people that have had some problems in life and you can not pay them much. <laughs> That's not the case at all, right. but they just, they, they are, they're able to, pull more out of the job than just the paycheck. You know, the, the benefit, there's more benefit to them than just the paycheck. And right. I think that's one of the keys is being able to look for and find people that find value in a paycheck, but in also, also in other things. Um, and that's served us uh, very well. Hiring younger people who uh, we can mentor and bring up along the way Obviously, I've been burned by younger people as well, uh, but uh, we've had a lot of success with that. One of our our, our managers right now, when uh, we took over the store, she she was working for the previous operators, but I mean, she was 19. She was a cashier and worked a little bit of Frozen, and uh, we saw some potential in her. And you know, she's she's. Uh, uh, she does meat. She's a manager. She does the morning books. She does all this kind of stuff. She's a great candidate to own a store and I'm pushing her to become an internal candidate as we speak. And, um, and yeah, I mean, she was kind of a diamond in the rough, but I think there are more diamonds in the rough than, uh, you would expect out there. Uh, yeah, uh, we have talked so much and I, I think the majority of our, well, I feel are, you know, the superstars over the time have been the people we never uh, assumed would be our, our greats, you know, and I feel like we have a, a ton of greats um, right now for sure. Um, but I feel like the people that sometimes you think, okay, this might be a good filler for now. Um, once they get uh, a little bit of responsibility and respect, uh, they can really catapult themselves into something completely different. Um, 
you know, one of our uh, people we are going to be losing next week uh, was uh, one of our first hires at Airway. Um, 18 uh, year old, uh, I'm gonna call him a kid because he is like our kid. Um, we've had him now for six years uh, going in the AOT program next week, um, but we hired him uh, to be a part-time merch and uh, just, I mean, just continue to flourish and grow. And when we hired our initial 25 people, uh, he wasn't even on the radar for, you know, a potential lead or anything else. He was more just kind of like, hey, we need one more part-time person, we'll bring him in and uh, turn out to just have a, a heart of gold and a desire to grow and, and uh, helped us super succeed in what we've done. Um, and that was never our intention um, uh, for for him. So it's been uh, fun to watch him grow, but also just one of those things that you never know what someone's potential is because they maybe haven't given been given the chance or the opportunity um, or the challenge to even grow. And so many of our people I, I can think of have that same story where, you know, they just, come in looking for just kind of part-time work or something. And then once they realize that, hey, they can learn this or they can learn that or they can be part of change or or something bigger and they want more, uh, it, it's rewarding for them, of course, because they get, you know, there's a higher pay involved, there's more responsibility, maybe a better schedule. But for us, we also get not just someone who can help us grow, but it, it's very rewarding on our side when we deal with a lot of uh, difficult situations owning a business to have people enjoy their job and like what they do and uh, want to grow. It, it feels like you had a, a good part of that. Um, definitely one of the more rewarding parts of doing this for sure. And you know, I think something that I've really tried to do, and I think I think you do. I mean, I don't think I know you do it as well. Is that a? I always try and remember that nobody in this store should or will care as much about this store as right. I or Danny does. And and I mean, I definitely care about it, but Danny really really cares. <laughs> so, um, and it's hard sometimes to remember that and to. And to think that, listen, you know, mm -hmm. uh, these guys are, you know, they're hourly. It's a job. They've, you know, I mean, they care about it as much as you would care about a job, certainly. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, you know, when you own a store, it becomes kind of a, a lot of who you are. And when you're, you know, working deli or throwing freight, that's not necessarily, you know, who you are. It's not integrated into your personality as much as when you own the thing. Um, so, you know, for us, keeping that in mind has has really been uh, beneficial and you know we don't want to do it so much that we just like well they don't own it so who cares you know but but my focus has really been on uh the logistics of the store and how do i set things up so that i can bring in people with less experience and they and it it's set up so that they can still succeed um I like to tell uh, people when they come in and work for me in the beginning, I want them to put blinders on. I want them to not, to not know or try and learn the entire job straight away. Cause you know, grocery outlet, there's nothing particularly difficult about it, but it's just a lot of things. And mm -hmm. so uh, you know, I want them to focus on the core part of the job at first, and we will supplement the details between ourselves or, or 
PICs or or anything like that. But I want them to really focus on just the core part. And then, you know, once they get good at that, then we're going to widen the blinders out a little bit. We're going to move them out. And they're going to learn more and more and more. But, you know, um, and I'll be talking about this at the operator meeting uh, a little bit. But, you know, having uh, we have a, a program that a spreadsheet that basically uh, gives a projection for ordered loads for uh, deli frozen meat and produce. Um, and the nice thing about that is when we have somebody new, yeah, they still have to learn how to order and all that kind of stuff, but they're not guessing at how much. Cause I think a big part of the problem is a lot of times you'll have people that bring in way too little because they just, they don't know the scale of things or they're like, Oh, we sell a lot. I'm going to bring in mm -hmm. a ton of this. And having those projections just automatically generated for them, they don't have to work for it. They don't have to do any math. They just go in and look at it and boom, they know where to go is one example of that. Same thing with like ordering uh, milk and eggs, right? We have a, a spreadsheet that does most of the work for it. You're just putting in uh, values of what you have and what you sold and, and that type of thing. And it spits out what you should order. And it's not perfect, but it's it's ninety percent good. And so, when you have somebody new, it makes that a lot easier. Um, if somebody calls off, then a manager who doesn't order milk or eggs very often can jump in there and get it done. It's good enough, you know, for one order. Um, but yeah, really looking at really looking at the logistics of the store and how do I make everybody's job as easy as possible whilst still getting the job done um, has been uh, hugely beneficial. Are you talking about that forum at the operator meeting? Yeah, they're, they're trying something new this time um, where they contacted, I don't know, I'm just going to guess 25 or 30 operators or something like that. And they each kind of have a topic that, um, that they wanted to talk about or they feel like was a value. And they're going to have have a little cocktail table set up and people will be able to kind of move through and go to the places where they want to see <clears throat> what the operator has going on. Um, it's not going to be where you have to go to this station and then move to the next and then move to the next. It'll be, I mean, you can go to none of them if you really want to, um, but it's going to be super casual uh, type of thing. So we'll see how it goes. So I can't wear my suit that I'm going to bring for the meeting for yours. Oh, <laughs> oh no, you can. Okay. So Dylan will be in a suit for the entire meeting. Okay. 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 Good. I'm glad to hear that. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So back on employee retention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you guys, so you guys do employee discounts. Uh, so do mm -hmm. we, you know, that, that's one thing I feel like uh, I've talked to many operators uh, and I feel like half do it and half don't, um, you know, I think when we were at your store, we talked about it and I, I just remember hearing you say, listen, our employees are our people. It's a discount. I think we should just do, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to think twice about it uh, because they're working for us day in, day out. I'm just going to do it. And I think that's always stuck with me. And so we have done it. Um, and at first I was thinking it was such a small thing, like, okay, you know, you know, 10% off of my lunch or whatever, big deal, whatever. But I feel like over the last six years, even though it has been costly, uh, well worth it. I feel like 
we have been thanked about that many times. People have talked about it. Uh, there was a time when uh, there was a rumor going around from our store that it was going to go away, and so we had to clarify, no, it, this is this is not a you know one year thing or two year thing. I mean, we, we believe in this. Um, is that something your dad also did, or did you just decide to do it because just because? Or uh, he did it. He did it as well. Um, and I'm I'm not a fan of discounts in general. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have a senior discount at our store. We don't have any other discount. We do, okay. we do, uh, 5% off for some of the local food pantries. Um, okay. and that's just more cause it just feels right to me, <laughs> but, right. um, but we don't do any other discounts. Um, and we can get into the marketing piece and, and why another time, but, but the employee discount I think is, is, a is a good thing to have an important thing to have. And, you know, I mean, some, obviously some people take more advantage of it than others right. and when i say advantage i mean in a good way uh but uh but yeah i mean it, it's it hasn't even been a thought and i've never really gotten feedback on it one way or the other from the employees okay. um but i i don't need it it's just it's something we do so yeah. uh on the one other kind of thought I say that like it's my last thought when, which is, you know, it never is, but uh, <laughs> uh, one of the thought on uh, retention of employees and making things easier for employees um, that we've definitely done as we've grown in volume and moved from one store to another is we've alternated between leveling up people's wages. Mm -hmm. So as our store increases in sales and we say, okay, and I've always told all the employees that, look, as the store does better, you'll do better. And, and I've always really wanted to keep true to that because people catch on real quick. If you're not, I mean, they, they know what they're selling. They know, you know, and we're mm -hmm. pretty open with numbers in a lot of, a lot of instances. Um, but we've always said, yeah, if the store does better, you'll do better. And, uh, so as we level up and we do better, we'll say, okay, look, we need to re reevaluate wages. Right. And, and we, most of the raises that we give are kind of across the board. We'll say, mm -hmm. okay, everybody's going up 50 cents or 75 cents or even, even a buck at times. Um, and it kind of raises, you know, everybody's wage, mm -hmm. but then we we don't do that every single time. Because I think money is definitely important, but I think the quality of people's work life is important too. And so we'll say, okay, well, the store is doing better. Uh, we have some more uh, uh, dollars that we can spend. We're going to hire another person. We're going to add to our mm -hmm. crew, expand it. A, we're getting busier. But I think if you ask the employees, though, if they if you said, hey, would you rather have another person working here to make your life a little easier or the dollars? They're always going to say the dollars. But we've made that decision, A, because it's best for the store and it needed to happen. But I think they've always really appreciated the fact that, too, that they get they get help. They, you mm -hmm. know, the stuff that was hard before gets a little easier because as you grow in volume, there's new challenges that you didn't consider before. And if we went with the we're going to keep as few employees as possible and pay them the max amount possible, um, I feel like we'd hamstring ourselves because everybody leaves eventually for the most part. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, one or two, but I, I count on the fact that every single one of my employees at some point or another is going to leave for something else. 
And I don't want to put myself in a position where, oh, this person left and they did a million things. <laughs> and now I've got to fill that. And I can't fill it with one person because they had, you know, five years experience to get there. Um, so adding to the crew strategically and looking for where can we use the help if we put somebody here that takes this off of this person's plate and so on and so forth has been uh, hugely beneficial, every bit as much beneficial as just giving raises. Right. Um, obviously, you know, our stores being the volume they're at, um, a little easier to do some of the wages that, than it is at a mid or, or low volume. I, you know, I, I know that was a big, big struggle with one of our first stores is we had people that we needed to pay more or really wanted to pay more and we just could not. And that has been a thing that I hear on the operator page and other operators so much, how it's very difficult to be competitive right now, especially when you have a lot of other people being very aggressive with their wages and everything else. And that's when I think, you know, trying to create a different kind of culture is going to help that. Uh, you know, I, I know if I was at our last store, if I would have heard you say, oh, well, we just give everyone a raise, I'd be thinking it's already so, so tough. Um, obviously, every store volume and area is, is going to make certain things valid for some and, and, and not some. Um, but I, I know that has been a huge struggle of so many operators just saying, first of all, how, how do I compete with uh, other places offering two, three, four dollars starting um, more? But but I think investing twofold, investing in our people and the labor aspect. I mean, how often do our people leave not because they're unhappy, but because they're overworked or because every day it just feels like they are always behind. Um, I feel we do the, the same kind of thing. We don't we don't hire right when we need that person. We kind of do the same exact thing as you guys do where we try to give our raises to our people, but then when we can afford the other person, we give them help because that feels like, uh, not like a lifeline, but it feels like we understand they're working hard and that we're trying to do our part to kind of make their job easier. And I think they really respond and respect that. And it's the right thing to do for business if you want good standards day in, day out. If you want to be able to uh, make it to where you are successful um, in store, you need to have that uh, team in place to be able to do everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with, with that. And I think that's our same thought process for sure. And I just want to clarify too, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, everybody should just go out and give everybody a dollar raise right. and hire three more people and, you know, all your worries will be fixed. I mean, obviously that's not uh, possible. I mean, it's not possible for us and we, we do a good volume. I mean, but our, our, our labor and the amount of people and the wages that we pay them are commensurate with the volume that we're doing. So it's not right. like, you know, I can just go out and be like, everybody's going to be at $25 an hour, you know, and so I a hundred percent, I totally get that. Right. But that is something that we've done from the beginning when we were lower volume. Uh, when we first took over St. John's, it was, you know, it was not a world beater by any means. Um, and that is, that has been the mindset though, throughout the journey, uh, not mm -hmm. just, Oh, we got to this volume. So now we can start having that mindset. Right. It started off a lot smaller 
but that was that was the way we tried to go about it. Right. One one thing we really try to do as well um, is not just treat our uh, good employees well and employees well in general, um, but really address uh, the people that are actually bringing down the team. I, I feel like with such a small team anyway, uh, one person or two people can really just uh, demoralize your entire crew. And so we try to have a lot of heart to hearts and um, really just uh, a, a no tolerance for um, a lot of things. One, just being, if you're gonna just be here to, to bring down the crew, guess what? Uh, my crew probably run a lot better without this individual here. And I'm not saying one person can't have a bad day by any means, but I'm talking about the people that come in just wanting to set the world on fire. Um, and I feel like we have done that uh, more often and quicker now than we ever have. And I think our team respects that and it gets them back on track so much better, um, especially when they know that we're going to replace or add or, or do whatever to kind of help them out. Um, I think before, uh, we used to drag our feet a little bit too long or just say, well, maybe they'll get better. Or yes, I've had, you know, seven talks or eight talks with this individual and they're not getting better. I think more it is now um, taking swifter action quicker on individuals that they're either might not be hopeful for or that it's just uh, not going to work um, instead of saying, well, we're just going to limp along with them. Uh, one of my old uh, DMs used to say, listen, uh, I, I can either limp along with you or limp along without you. And I'd rather limp along without you because I'm still going to finish this race. I don't care if you're with me or with or, or not. Um, I think about that just because so often we just ignore it and it creates a bigger issue down the road with our people. So, Yeah, the, it's the old uh, addition through subtraction yep. uh, kind of a thing. Uh, I, I heard a great analogy about this. Well, the person that told me originally was uh, the context was getting out of a bad relationship, but I think it, it applies to this. Uh, it's like when you go to your fridge in the morning and you pull out the jug of milk and you, you smell it and it smells bad and rancid and you put the cat back on, put it in your fridge and say, maybe it'll be better tomorrow. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, no, we... You know, that's that was one of the things that I have grown with. The, I feel like one of the things I've grown with the most is um, knowing when to call it a day with people. Yeah. Um, and I think and it's a great segue because I, I didn't want to talk about this. But um, one of the things that really helped me with that was how we had our store set up and who did what. And the reason is, is because in the past, you know, especially when we were first getting started, you know, the mentality was something's better than nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't have, I don't have a replacement. I'm already doing a bunch of stuff. Something's better than nothing. Um, but the problem is, is that, you know, when are you going to, when are you going to, when are you going to have something else to, to replace them with? You know, when are you going to hire somebody when you have that person still working there? And it, it just, it makes it, drags out the transition far longer than it should. And the thing that really helped us with that is, especially with wages rising, minimum wage going up, you know, expectations above and beyond minimum wage when it's gone up as much as it has anyways, um, has been, I said, well, listen, if I'm going to be paying X amount for somebody anyways, right, I'm going to, I'm going to load up on, on PICs. Truly, uh, I'll pay, you know, any, 
even back at St. John's, I was like, well, cause that's where I started it kind of towards the tail end of St. John's. But I was like, well, if I'm going to, why I'm not, why pay a, a cashier, uh, somebody who's just cashiering, uh, 15, $15 or 1550 or whatever it is when I can pay somebody $17, a couple bucks more, but they can do, they can jump in the register if they need to, they can jump over to deli if they need to, they can work meat, they can do all kinds of things. And so I put a big emphasis on bolstering the uh, amount of PICs um, that I had uh, and they all have different tasks to do throughout the day and that kind of stuff. But when it comes to turnover, which is eventual, no matter no matter how good your employee retention and stuff is, which we're going through right now, we just in this last week, uh, we've had we've lost we we run with two deli people. Um, we've lost both of them and oh, wow. the opening manager and a freight guy in this last week. And but having a really good uh, core of PICs, it's it's not been nearly as stressful as it would have been because they can help cover a little bit here. They can help me training because usually when somebody from a department leaves, I have the other department person there to help train up whoever's coming into it. In this scenario, I don't really have anybody to train over there. I mean, myself, Danny, but you know, we've got other things going on as well. And so having a really strong PIC core um, has helped phenomenally with that. And yeah, I mean, you know, once again, it's the whole, yeah, well, that's great, but I don't have the money to throw two more dollars at somebody. And the idea is, is that you're getting somebody, instead of having two people that you're paying $15 an hour, you're having one person that can, you know, do those things and you're mm-hmm. paying, you know, 17 you know, and, or 18 and you, you, you're kind of saving money in that regard. And it's, it's made so many changes at the store, much easier transitions, mm-hmm. having those people. And it's commensurate with your, with your volume as well, because when you're lower volume, you don't need as many people, you know, you don't have as much stuff going on all the time. There's always a base amount, but, um, and so when I, we were lower volume, we had less PICs than I do now, certainly, but we probably had more than um, than you would think you would want or need for that volume. Because right. I didn't just use them as PICs, I used them all over the place. And I've really tried to foster a culture of, there's no such thing as that's not my job, right? Nobody's above anything. You know, the PICs, uh, they'll get bottles and cans. You know, if, if a merchandiser calls off, they're the merchandiser for the day. And they do right. all the things that go with being a merchandiser. And they're fine with that because they know that that's just the way it is and 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 so on and so forth. So that's that has probably been one of the the best things that we have done is, is investing in our uh, management team. I also do not have a store manager. Um, I know you do. You have two, right? They're, but they're leaving something like that. Yeah, for the yeah, they're in the program next week. Yeah, so I don't have a store manager. Um, you know, we'll probably do that at some point, but uh, at this point, I don't, I don't want to foster a culture of, I'm in charge, you're beneath me. Go do this. Go do that. Yeah. Go do this. Go do that. Um, our PICs are all on the same level. Um, 
you know, we want them to work together, um, not dealing with power struggles and, and, and this and that. And, and honestly, you know, Danny and I are in the store enough that we don't, you know, I still write the schedule. I'm doing the payroll. Danny does the QuickBooks, you know, we have our hands in things certainly. So, um, I think if you're going to have a store manager, you're going to, once again, the expectations, you're going to pay for that. And they're, they should be right. the highest paid person in the store and, and all those things. And by not having a store manager, I can pay the PICs more mm -hmm. because I'm not devoting X amount of funds to have the store manager, which in theory, I could do everything they could do. And then the PICs would pick up, you know, the rest of it. So. Right. Uh, you know, no, no shocker here, but you know, we have the same, uh, structure of, uh, PICs and we went to this, you know, you talked to me, uh, I feel like years about this, like you got to have more, you got to have more. And, uh, you know, we didn't until probably a couple of years ago. Um, and, and the benefits are all of what you just spoke about as far as being able to have anyone jump into deli or produce or all around the store to make it better. Um, and I think the only downfall that I have experienced or seen is that, uh, is that sometimes, uh, certain PACs, uh, don't get the true feeling they're PACs sometimes when they're doing these other tasks. So like, say I have, uh, one of my PACs doing produce for a couple of days or doing this. And then, you know, uh, one person's in Delhi more often or freight. And then I have one person who's doing more manager type duties. It kind of feels like, uh, some get left out. It's kind of like the whole, like a lot of times you're closing PSC feels disconnected from a lot of things because when they come on, it's, you know, hit the ground running, uh, you know, they get, you know, some hours with you, but you know, not as much time as everyone else. And then they're just, there doing kind of the same thing. And so I've experienced a little bit of that, uh, people feeling like they didn't have as much management control, but you change your culture a little more as far as having people not really think they are actual store managers by any means, but they're there to help the store. Whereas I tried to, uh, invest in certain people and sometimes more in others. And then, then some people kind of feel left out of time. So I try to be conscious of that so I can kind of develop everyone and give everyone, uh, a fair chance to do multiple things to where it doesn't feel like some people are just cleaning up, whereas other people are doing the bigger and better stuff. Um, yeah. And as far as the, the store manager situation, you know, we did it of course, because, you know, uh, we had a person who moved with us and wanted to do this and now is going to be his role. Um, but going into this next chapter without having him there, we're not going to have a store manager either. It's more going to be if you're opening an opening manager shift, you're doing this stuff. If you're mid manager, you're doing this kind of stuff and a close manager, this kind of stuff, where it's no longer the, the old pyramid of, I got one person on top. I feel like it's been very good for us. Uh, but I also feel like, having multiple people is way more beneficial when they work well with others and when they can have the ideas that you have as far as what's going to make the store successful, both from uh, how they needed to uh, work with other employees and what they need to do store-wise to make it better. Because our job is basically always fixing problems, making it better, fixing, you know, displays, ordering better, just, you know, doing so many things. It's not really as much, about the old management style where you have one person walking around saying this is bad this is bad it's you got all these people who can just jump in 
Yeah, and absolutely. And I, I like your point about um, the disconnected between uh, maybe a closing PIC and or manager um, and uh, the opening ones. And I will say that um, up until, you know, about four or five months ago, um, we always had just one closing manager mm -hmm. uh, every night. And something that I really tried to do to offset that and the feeling of disconnectedness is I would, I would try and defer more towards what the evening PIC needs or they feel they need than the the day PICs. Cause you know, there's a lot of times where the day PICs go, gosh, you know, this doesn't work very well. Or have we just had somebody else to do this thing? And you know, there's a certain extent of where I'd have to remind them like, look, we've got, you know, 15 people in the store during the day or whatever. And at night they've got six. And, you know, when something goes wrong during the day, we've got plenty of people with which to pull from, to move around, so on and so forth. So at night, I've always tried to say, make sure that I'm in communication with my closing manager and say, you know, how's it going? What's going wrong? What's going right? You know, are we having the cashier scheduled at the right time? Not just based off of the dollars of it, but, you know, having them as part of the conversation based off of what, uh, you know, what are their needs? because they got stuff to do and yeah, maybe the dollars, when I look at the sales for a certain hour, it might not look like it justifies having a cashier there, but because they are, you know, going through and facing this and doing that and so on and so forth. And then they're being pulled up to the register a bunch. That's very beneficial to them. And it helps them feel heard and that they're getting what mm -hmm. they need. Um, and so I, I do do that for the day people, but more so for the closing manager. Right. And recently we've gone to where we have two closing managers seven nights a week um, because of the lack of other people around. Um, I think the store is better shape for it. Um, they feel like they're not in it by themselves at this point. It's brought them into the store. Obviously, uh, you know, with that comes more dollars and you, know, you have to justify that in a way. And it's worked out for us. We couldn't do it before we've gotten to a place where we can. Mm -hmm. So yeah, our basic structure at this point, as far as PICs go, is that we have two people that open the store. Uh, they don't open the store on the same days, but they work. Uh, one person does it, opens five days a week. The other person opens two, their two days off. Okay. They do all the money in the morning, um, you know, get the cashier schedule, kind of all that mor morning stuff done. And they're in charge of meat between the two of them. They do all the ordering, receiving, that type of thing. Uh, we have a mid manager who uh, is, she does our receiving. She does a lot of price changes. And when she's there, she's taking care of front end calls more so than the other managers so that they can work on their specific things or help out in departments. Um, and then we have the two closing managers. And to do that, we have three total. So we have uh, one person that works four days a week and the other two work five days a week. And the person that works four days works the days off of the other two. Um, and uh, one of them is in charge of beer and wine as well. So they have their, their own thing. Uh, and that that setup at this point uh, has worked really well for us. But like I said, we just added two PICs 
Uh, before that, we'd have an opener, a mid, our books, uh, the gal that does our books, and then a closer was kind of the run up before. So, okay, that's that. What, why don't you tell us what your setup is now um, versus what it has been? And then, you know, we're kind of, yeah, we're almost right hitting an hour here. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I've been running two opening managers um, and one mid manager and one closing manager. And then I have one other manager scheduled typically in a department, um, whether it be produce or deli or, or frozen. Um, I'm only running two opening managers right now because I'm kind of in transition uh, for my basically store manager and assistant to, to leave the, the program. Um, I used to just run one open manager, but then it just, my, our mornings got to be uh, so, so busy and just so many things to just that I wanted to get done. Um, I did the uh, dual closings. Uh, I do them sometimes. I do them uh, on uh, a lot of times I was doing them on Fridays. Um, I haven't gone to two closing uh, PACs uh, just yet. Um, if I'm going to run double coverage, it typically is going to be more of a mid. And that's just because of uh, the way our loads show up. Um, our loads show up uh, anywhere between uh, 11 a.m. and uh, <laughs> the next day, just because where we're located. Um, on average, we're around noon or one o'clock, and and that's the time when you know we're almost at our busiest. And so, having more help uh, midday versus closing it was more beneficial to us. Um, our sales really kind of drop off at that six thirty, seven o'clock uh, time. Um, it doesn't mean I want to get good work out of having uh, dual closers, but I just haven't felt the need to make that change yet. Uh, and one thing we talked about is is our our callouts. Um, are very minimal. You know, I, I, we talked about, you know, it's great to have two closures because if you have a call out or this or that or whatever, uh, for the, you know, we've been really lucky. Um, I probably have a, a call out, uh, one call out every maybe two days, I would say. Um, so, so it hasn't been an issue. I, I think if I had more call outs or issues or attendance, whatever, I think I would probably run that dual closing, but um, it just hasn't made sense to us uh, yet. Um, that being said, my whole management schedule is going to be changing here in two weeks. Like we've been just getting everyone cross-trained to do more things so that uh, I, I'm ready for the absence of uh, uh, no store manager. And so I think, you know, we're looking at what is going to be the most efficient. Um, we've been in talks with all of our PACs lately about, you know, what can we do to, to make the store better and run better? And what do you need? And, and, and we try to do that oftentimes uh, just because they're the ones day, day in, day out doing it. And last thing I want to do is, is uh, stranglehold them on not having the right labor and them feeling like they can't get the job done. And, and so we're kind of just uh, revamping the entire schedule. So maybe by our next call, or another call, we'll talk about it a little more and I'll, I'll tell you what I have tried and if it's worked. Um, but right now, I try not to over schedule because I do feel like with management, you got too many uh, too many people. It, it, it's a lot of uh, uh, non-efficient work being done. But uh, yeah, we, we try a bunch of things and, and we never get married to the exact idea of this is how we run it. You know, I, I try not to get stuck on, well, I got this person doing this shift and this person doing that shift and this is the schedule we try to kind of change it up oftentimes so 
All right. Well, uh, with that, uh, we, we've passed the one hour mark, which we weren't, uh, we weren't sure we were going to do, but here we are. Mike, um, we knew we were going to do that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so just a little uh, tease going forward. Um, for future episodes, we're going to be reaching out to uh, operators across the land. Uh, we'd like to have an operator on for each episode and kind of talk about what they got going on, what's important to them, what's going on in the community, what's going on with Grocery Outlet, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll just let everybody know our, our first or second episode, first uh, with a guest, will be uh, Billy Musio from Bend, uh, which we felt was an easy reach out because Billy does a million things, including two separate podcasts. Um, he's got a football one and I don't know, something else, but he's always doing stuff. So he will be our first uh, first guest on this coming up here soon, but uh, we very well may be reaching out to you as well. And uh, Dylan, do you know where it's at? Just say no. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Where it's at? Two discount grocers and a microphone. <laughs> I had to do it. Yeah. All right. So I well, we'll see you guys all the next time. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing this again, Dylan. You should say uh, thanks for both of you to listening. Yeah. Thanks for all <laughs> two of you, Danny and, and uh, Tanya, our wives. <laughs> all right. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good one, man. Thank you.